-hmm. because I'm still a big believer if your home hasn't sold within two weeks in any market, you're overpriced. Mm -hmm. Well, especially if you're getting no offers, no, no showings, right? Like you're, yeah. I mean, and if you're getting showings, it's one thing, but like if you're priced right, you should hit the market. You should have showings right away and you should hopefully get an offer within two weeks. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello! We are back. Welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast on NPR. It's Paul Stevenson. I'm here. It's not NPR. It's uh, probably Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Paul. Yeah, that's Apple the one. Podcast. What'd I say? Google Play? Apple Music. Apple Music. Wow. Wow. Living in 19, 2019. Just me and Greg Campbell today. We have no Dave Warren. Dave is in transit. He's flying across the country or just returned back somewhere in transit. Unavailable. Greg Campbell is a realtor extraordinaire, a sales representative, a wizard. Greg Campbell, realtor. The agency, Ottawa. The agency. The agency. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm a mortgage agent in Ottawa. Uh, level two, I will say. Uh, shout out to all our mortgage agent listeners and realtor listeners. I feel like I've had a few people in the industry mention that they listen to the podcast and we appreciate all of you. Thank you for being here. Greg, how was the weekend? What'd you get up the to? Weekend was, the weekend was pretty good, actually. Came down with a little something, but you know, I'm, but the, I'm at the tail end of it. Saturday, I just did some, you know, had some family time at home. Yesterday, we did a big open house at a listing we have in Orleans at 226 Sweet Valley Drive. Listed at just over a million. This is a fabulous four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bathroom home. Extensively upgraded with $175,000 in upgrades. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's still available. 226 Sweet Valley Drive. But we had a good open house. We had about 10 groups through. That's great. And, uh, even though it was a sunny day, we were, we were surprised. And in the office, I think we did about eight open houses. And all of them had anywhere from two to 10 groups through. So that's not bad when we all kind of thought that it would be dead because the weather was so nice. Why would you want to go look at homes on a nice day? This is the best time of year. Like 23 degrees, sunny, nice cool breeze, beautiful leaves, you know, lots of colors. Beautiful leaves. Yeah. I'm going for the hike today. I'm going to Pink Lake. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, we spent, I actually had a, a same thing. Kind of came down with something maybe Thursday, Friday. Maybe it's little sniffles, you know. And then I was actually outside all weekend. My son was playing in a soccer tournament, so... That vitamin D certainly certainly boosted my immune system. Feeling great today. Back. That's good. That's good. I'm back and ready to attack the week. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I do see. I've seen a lot of lot more for sale signs. I don't know how you're. It'd be interesting to see the update on listings like August to September. I feel like there have been more listings out. Seem seemingly more homes available on the market. But time will tell. I guess September numbers will probably be out this week. Maybe end of this week. Yeah, they'll be out probably tomorrow. Tomorrow. So it'll be interesting to see how well, September September shapes up compared to August and July. Yeah. I'm really anxious to see that. I was watching something in the US that I watch frequently on the BAM network. And he was saying that in, I guess in the States, September was the worst, was worse than August. And September was like the worst it's been in many, many years in mm. terms of listing, sales, etc. September was the worst. September was the worst. Yeah, August was the worst, and September beat it. Interesting. As the worst. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, September so, really um, didn't. It, it seemed like that first week, like when they when they held rates, it looked like everything kind of picked up for a week there, <clears throat> and then inflation numbers came out, bond rates went yeah. up, fixed rates yeah. went up, and then everything stopped again. It's like any negative it's true. It's true. It's, it seems to just stagnate. It does, and because people are more informed and they're not just as quick to jump on things when they read the headlines or get the right information from the right sources. I have a, I have a good story actually about buying right now. So, <clears throat> you know how there's a lot of talk about investors, you know, while well, people with cash, cash buyers right now are can do very well because, you know, they don't need to get involved with any of the banking, but, you know, cash buyers are not very common. Mm-hmm. So this is why if you talk to some investors, like experienced investors, that they will say during COVID, they bought nothing because they knew eventually that this time would come. And now they're buying cash when they see the right opportunities. Right. Some of the guys that I talked to. So anyways, I had this couple that I was working with and, uh, you know, they were cash buyers and we, we got a deal done and the property we got was spectacular and mm-hmm. it had been on for, I want to say 120 days. They overshot when they listed it. They were listed, you know, just under 1.1 million. Whereas I think if they had listed for a million three months ago, they may have got that. But anyways, we got it for, you know, quite a, quite a discount, I will say, but it was, it was a good deal. They had, they had, they were waiting, they had to move. So the options were work with us or wait and see, but no one else was really banging at their door to, to get that property. So pricing is, pricing needs to be more aggressive or you need to be prepared to, to wait a while to get the to get what you need so you ended up getting the property then you were we got you were it buying. yeah yeah and what'd yeah, you end up getting it. it for we got it for uh 935 okay and it was originally yeah. listed at over one yes hmm. yeah we got it at like yeah over yeah a hundred thousand dollars less than what it was originally listed at so you know it's it's one of those things when you're listing your home you really need to remember that we're not last year and we're not the year before and you have to be mindful of that when you're speaking with your agent and your agent's presenting numbers for you no matter how incredible your property is because believe me this is an incredible home and they they could have got more if they had have listed a little bit more Mm. aggressive initially when they started but i get it and that's the thing we're in a time right now where there's so much information that you even if you're working with a professional, a lot of the times you'll think that you know best. And, you know, I don't like to use the term greed, but, you know, everybody wants the most. They want to make the most profit possible before they move on to their next their next investment that maybe they spent more on, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning. So it's a, it's a challenge. Yeah, I've but seen always... not just with that one you're telling me, but there's been two other properties, one on my street and another one that another realtor told me about. And both of them sold as well for well under what it was originally listed at. I think that's just the nature of the market right now. I think it is, you know, people, I, I went through all of my pre-approvals last week. Anyone that was pre-approved, because as I said, fixed rates went up about a quarter point. So anyone who wasn't locked in to a rate and had a rate hold for 120 days, typically, they actually have to re-qualify because now the rates have increased. They don't qualify for as much if they don't have the rate locked in. So their purchasing power has decreased. So I reached out to all these people that didn't have their rates locked in. Uh, and essentially their purchasing power for each of them decreased by about 10,000, which is really when you're looking at, you know, 
seven, eight, nine hundred thousand dollar homes, right. ten thousand is a right. very nominal amount. And for a quarter point, that's it's a pretty small difference in their purchasing power. Yeah. But when you hear of a quarter point, like the extra amount of interest, the extra amount of like your payments that isn't going to principal, the, the you know, it's just gonna take longer to, to pay off the mortgage off. So you're paying more interest, less more money out of pocket in, in most cases for less of a product, right? Or or seemingly less of a product compared to three, four months ago. So if you're going into a listing appointment now, Greg, then what like what are you using to best price that home? Like if people think, oh well, my neighbor sold three months ago for a million, they're probably not gonna they're not gonna get that today. So like what's the strategy for you when you're looking it's, at it's challenging because you gotta look if you're lucky you can find a house that is almost exactly the same or the same model that sold recently give or take a few features. And if it's new enough, you can compare it to what the new build is selling for now without the upgrades. That's a good comparable. I find if you're, if you're selling uh, anything that's built in the last couple of years, it's selling. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I mean, I have that chart from mortgage sandbox, actually, that it shows that, you know, we're almost completely in line with prices at the same time in 2019. So I go back and I look at the sales in the same neighborhood of the same product two years ago to compare and I, and I'll bring in that graph, you know, into the listing appointment to see it, you know, and, and of course some people don't want to hear that hmm. and that's just the way it is. Right. So then it becomes, you know, for me, I don't like to hold properties. So it's, but, but I understand, you know, you, you want to work and make, you know, come to a happy, happy agreement, obviously, but it becomes challenging if you're too far off from what, like if I go into a listing appointment and someone's, you know, $75,000 off of what I suggest, like mm -hmm. I, there's no way I'll, I'll go for it. You know, if you're like a 25 to 50, maybe I would take it. This is on, in higher end. I'm talking about if it's like a 25 to 50, I would take it based on a reduction in two weeks if it hasn't sold mm -hmm. because I'm still a big believer. If your home hasn't sold within two weeks in any market, you're overpriced. Mm -hmm. Well, especially That's, if you're getting no offers, no, no showings, yeah. right? Like you're, yeah. I mean, and if you're getting showings, it's one thing, but like, if you're priced right, you should hit the market. You should have showings right away and you should hopefully get an offer within two weeks, give or take. I mean, and again, right now it's, it's a little bit trickier because people, like I said, they're just taking their time. Buyers are really taking their time again and you know, good for them. Yeah. I think that happens often. Like you said, especially if you're, if you're watching kind of just your specific market and aren't mm -hmm. in tune with everything that's happening and all the different changes with, you know, rates and buying power and everything, right. Just the inflation, the whole nine, the, the whole kind of financial picture that we all kind of live in, I guess, in our space that, you see your neighbor sold for 600 and well, you have a finished basement or you have this or that. And you just assume, well, I got to do six plus let's add 10,000 for the basement or whatever. Right. So people have this number in their head and yeah. then they come and speak to a professional like yourself who might have a different number, maybe more conservative or maybe more realistic even. And that's not what they want to hear. And that can oftentimes create a, that barrier. Right. Yeah. And, and the, one of the things that I always, when I'm having that discussion, I always have to, I'll have the discussion I'll follow it up with an ultra detailed email, making sure that everyone is clear on my thoughts and what we're doing. Um, and that when you, as soon as that house goes on the market, the money becomes, it's a focus, but the amount, like the time and stress 
on your on on you as a person is like increased by like a hundred times because you just want your home sold. And every day that you're not getting a showing or getting an offer, you you, know, you could be losing sleep. Time keeps going on. So I'm always like, is your is your time and your peace of mind worth more than the price? Because if mm -hmm. it is, you should definitely not be listing at that price. If you're going to lose your shit and I'm going to be talking to you every day, trying to like, <laughs> you know, make you feel good about this. I go, that's, that's fine. I can do it because that's what, that's what we do. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, you can only do so much of that before you go crazy and then you get angry because you reduce. So yeah, I'm just, I'm just always very clear with what, people are about to embark on when we're in situations like that because that's what happens you know you start getting upset you get stressed you go down less and then you sell for even less and then you're hating yourself because if you had it done it a certain way you probably you may have got that 575 within the first week you know and it's just but it's hard it's not it's not easy it's not easy for the realtor it's not easy for the for the seller i think uh, also naturally as a seller like when you go to list your prey if it's listed at say six You've already done the math. Like, okay, after my fees, after my mortgage, I'm going to walk away with whatever, 150000 And then, well, now we have to reduce it to five seventy five. So you're like, oh, yep. shoot. Well, now I'm, just, I'm giving up 25000 right? Like, it feels yeah. like you're actually losing that money, even though that money never existed. Like, it wasn't there yep. to start exactly. with. But in your head, you're, you're losing <laughs> you 25000 that That's the yeah. number. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. the mental block, I think. That's, I guess. So... I'm sure there's a psychological point, name for that, but perfect, perfect segue into yes. the into money and realtors and commissions. They're that big lawsuit that's going yes. on right now. Tell me about that. You had a great article real last week. Board and the Canadian Real Estate Association. So, for those of you that don't know, I um, started a little article writing on and on LinkedIn as Paul has done recently and had a lot of success with it. You can subscribe to Paul's on there. And I didn't realize I wasn't starting an official newsletter. Now I am after this article. So, you know, we'll probably put the link for this one in the, in the liner notes. But what happened is, you know, when prices of homes started going up, realtors starting, well, keeping the same type of commission or increasing commissions to maybe bring in better buyers to the, to the property. And of course, as everyone knows, sellers pay the, the commission for the selling agent and for the, well, for the listing agent and for the selling agent, the buyer's agent, uh, you know, people are kind of fed up with that. And they think that they think that the commissions are inflated. And again, goes to, you know, what we talk about on the show, sometimes greed, realtors being greedy and the, the business just being not, not what it was in certain markets and some shady characters. So anyways, there's a big lawsuit. And it goes against the Toronto Real Estate Board, the Canadian Real Estate Association, a potential shift ahead. I'm just going to read some notes from uh, my article. Canadian real estate agents in the, greater, in the GTA may see changes in their earnings, which could benefit consumers. A class, class action started two years ago, hints at possible price fixing of commissions. Despite attempts to dismiss it, a federal judge has allowed the case to continue. Now, Ontario's uh, commission landscape. Agents in Ontario through commissions with three, have three main models, a set fee, a sales percentage, or a mix. While agents can set their rates at 5%, that's kind of like a standard in Ontario. The rate means the commission on an average GTA home jumped from 21000 in 2010 to about 55000 in 2023. That's a significant rise. With so many agents and limited sales, it raises questions about why commissions remain high. Central point of the class action. So basically, you know, this is happening. And, you know, what will the result be? Will it be... Will there be more salary-based brokerage models? 
will the commission stay the same? Will it drop? Will they have like a, a minimum or, or a maximum? Will they have a cap on the commissions? You know, I, who knows what we're going to see? Maybe like some places in the U.S. will have buyer brokerages only, seller brokerages where the seller only pays the listing agent and then the buyer brokerage is paid by the buyer going in. So there's a lot of different things that can happen. I don't think it's a problem. I think change is good. I think there are some people who've taken advantage of the situation. It's always good for a discussion. And I think things like this are important to the end consumer, you know, just be informed and, and we'll see what happens with this, but it's definitely groundbreaking and it's, it's happening in the U S as well. There's a big uh, lawsuit against the national association of realtors in the state. So this is, so there's 100% a change coming, I think nationally and in North America for realtors and their commissions and how they, how we get paid. So historically, I know I have a few friends that parents were realtors many years ago, your mother included. When they originally started offering 5% commissions, you know, people were, there was no internet, right? Like yeah. you're literally driving around streets to find homes for sale and you're walking the streets and door knocking and doing all these things. In your opinion, now obviously you might be biased. In your opinion, do you think in 2023, that both the buying and selling agent are earning that two and a half percent given where home prices are and, and just everything in general, do you think there's more or less work now than there was in say the seventies and eighties as a realtor? It's a good question. I think the, there's more work. The good agents are doing more work to show their true value. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm listing a home, I know that basically as soon as I, I sign that contract, I'm, it's like I'm two grand out no matter what, hmm. depending, depending on the property and depending on what the, the plan is, but almost always it's, it's close to about $2,000 to get everything to where I want to be in terms of getting the sign up, doing the photos, videos, ads, promo. So anywhere to, to about that to start. So if you think of that, if you think of a reduced commission for me, plus that, plus taxes, you know, my bottom line isn't that high. And if you're not doing a lot of business all the time, it's less than what most people would, would imagine. You know, that's a whole other conversation we could talk about. On the buying side, you know, you usually, the sellers will usually offer a 2% to 2.5% two, for the buyer. That's, you know, it was 2.5% all the time. Now it's down to 2 But then again, the point comes where, if you're an agent, you get a buyer, you work with them for a week, you go out, you see 10 properties, you do an offer, you get 2% of, you know, of a big property. Like it's a, it's a nice check. Of course, we all pay, pay taxes as well. And you, you know, it's your time, your investment, but it's not as, you know, it's not as much time invested, but then you got to think about it. How much time and effort did the agent put into building their reputation to get that buyer? Or what did they spend on, on advertising promotion to get that buyer? And plus what happens to the people like, like to, I'm just closing a deal. Well, I'm going to be closing a deal. I think the end of this week, I've been working with this buyer for two years. So 24 months and we've lost, I think we lost four deals in the process and yeah, we've submitted. Yeah, no, we've lost about four deals in the process over those two years, probably seen, I don't know, 25 properties. Mm -hmm. And now we've got a deal done and it's going to be just under $475,000. So I'm getting 2% of that. Now I've done all that work. So do I think, so I'm losing, I'm basically losing a hundred percent 
of what I'm getting paid plus probably an extra 100% on top of that because of my time and all my stuff. So when you look at it, when people look at commissions and how agents get paid, they look at the, the number and they think that all of that goes immediately into our pocket. And all we've done is taken that buyer to see a house, sign a contract and that's it. And then we're just laughing and we're and like, we're off running in a field, throwing our money around or buying a fancy car or something. Like a Cialis commercial? A yeah. Cialis commercial. When you think <laughs> of what I just told you, like, so basically, so my, my commission, my 2% on that is what? Like 8,000 minus taxes. So let's say I walk away with, you know, $5,500. Have I worked $10,000 worth of, of income over the last two years? Like 100% I have. So well, and this doesn't factor in all the clients as well that don't end up transacting. They're all don't end up transacting at all. So and, there's, and there's that too, right? Well, yeah. So it's like when you see a realtor, you know, get a big win and they're celebrating, it's like, you know, it's, it's a lot. And I'm, and I'm not, I enjoy the business. There are a lot of really positive wins. But the amount of work that people don't understand is, is, is my biggest complaint about how people perceive our industry. Because we go to work, we wake up every day not knowing when our next pay is coming, basically, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the people who complain are, are generally the people who have, have had nine to fives their entire life, who have a great pension plan, who do it. You know, we just work, like, we're crazy. We're crazy people to be doing this. But we like it we like what the rewards can be and we like working with the people and that's that's how it is so i'm not opposed to what new rules come in that's just how it is if the lawsuit happens and it changes and it turns into some different model well then that's fine i'm, I'm not going to quit i'm just going to adapt and be like okay this is how it works now so what do i need to do to make sure that i'm comfortable with this and i earn the same amount of money that i'm making now that's that's how i see it Whereas you're going to see a ton of people leave the industry because they're going to be like, this is bullshit. This is unacceptable. You know, forget you. This, this is just complete nonsense. And those are the people that we don't want in the business anyways. So they can just beat it and get the fuck out. Because... And let's remember, we're only, we only see the wins as well, right? Like the general public, you're only seeing the, you know, Greg posting the just sold this home. Exactly. But that's not showing the nine losses as well that you had that week, right? Like and you're only you know, seeing... And that's a good point. Like maybe yeah. I should start posting, like me and Luca were talking about doing a, this thing called the deal where we talk about every deal and we just, you know, post like a quick video, mm -hmm. you know, like a two minute video about what happened, whether it was good or bad, because, you know, you just said it. I think it's important for people to see how many losses there are before we get a win. Yeah. On our side too, like we, there's so many times yes. we are just advising clients and we don't have any buyer agreement. Like we don't have any, they have no, no, like no, there's no guarantee they're going to work with us. No. Even. Like they could come to me. I could advise them for three months and then they go to the bank last minute. But like I've there's seen, no, there's I, no, I, even, and I've seen that. Yeah, we, yeah. I've seen that happen to you. Yeah. You know, and then I'm I'm still transacting with the client. I'm like, oh man, Paul didn't get anything for this. They yeah. bounced. Well, like, even like I said, with that private, like, you know, you spend, I spend almost a whole week kind of putting that together, talking to different lenders, creating options, like, you know, going above and beyond to, to get this solution. And then it doesn't form into anything. And that, that's the nature of the business. I'm certainly not complaining by any means. There's, there's wins and losses. My point in saying that is that, as you were saying, like, you only ever hear about the wins. You don't hear about the hours and, and the sweat and the tears and like actual sweat and tears, yeah. you know, yeah. realtors are going out, they're building, you know, they're replacing floors and they're fixing the house up to sell and they're doing all these things. And then they, they don't end up selling the home. Like there's a lot of effort that goes in to get 
those rewards. But when you're only seeing the rewards, it seems really easy, right? Turnkey. They're all millionaires, exactly. all driving Lexuses, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's unfortunately the perception to, to a lot of people. Yeah. But regardless, this is happening, this lawsuit. So we'll see, we'll keep you posted on that. I mean, I think it's going to probably take a while for anything to come of it, but it's, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. I, mean, I think, I think we can learn, good. I think we can learn too from other, other economies and other places. Like there, it doesn't need to, this is just how we've always done it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how we have that's to what. do it yeah. forever. You know, we were talking to, you're talking about the States, but as I mentioned before, Sandra, my, my girlfriend is originally from Colombia, and they don't even have buying agents. Like they only have listing agents, basically people that list the homes. And if you're buying, you just deal with that listing agent, you negotiate, you close the that's deal it. and that's it. That's it. Right. And on the flip side of that too, like we were talking about last year, last week, we were kind of reviewing all of our insurance and, you know, life insurance, long-term disability, all that stuff. And Sandra's talked to her mom and saying she couldn't believe that we didn't have to have mortgage life insurance here. Like in Colombia, you have to have life insurance where if you die, your mortgage is paid off. Like there's no option to not have it. Huh. You have to have life insurance on the mortgage. Here it's optional. Like, yeah, you can take it if you want. If not, we'll just take your house back and sell it. You know, it's like a totally different way of doing things. But again, there's more than more than one way to skin a cat, as they, <laughs> as they say. I think that's the term. <laughs> Certainly not promoting uh, anyone's That's just, you know, just an old saying. Portfolios, Greg. You had another article that we were talking about before we came on air here about the CBC. Oh, the CBC. <laughs> the CBC has been all over the news the last 12 to 18 months. Yeah, I'm just going to bring this up here. <clears throat> so the CBC owns, well, I can't see. So, you know, CBC is two thirds owned by taxpayers, right? So we, we pay for the CBC. And I was saying to Paul before we, we got on here, you know, back in the day, I suppose it was one of those things where this, you know, CBC, Canadian company, people wanted to invest in Canadian broadcasting. So it kind of made sense. And, you know, this day and age where you can get your news from wherever <laughs> or, or not. <laughs> or we are not, in Canada, Gregory. Or, yeah. yeah. But I think everyone's kind of over the CBC. And, you know, there's been all defund the CBC comments. Now, this is... You know, so $1.2 billion from taxpayers in 2021. So that's what we pay for the CBC now. I don't watch the CBC. Haven't in years. And the CBC owns $313.8 million in, in real estate. That's a lot of money. Oh, no, sorry. That's just the... It's uh, just the one building. That's just the one building in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what am I reading wrong here? Where's that number? Paul, do you have that number? Well, it just says over $400 million. That's in the headline. Internationally, um, over 400 million. Sorry, I'm missing it. Yeah, so 1.24 billion in funding and the overall, it says they have 67 actively leased properties. That's leased properties. Ownership, let's see. I think we'd have these numbers ready before we come on. Well, at least that one is worth 313. So let's just, let's, oh, there we go. Portfolio worth 444 million. 444 yeah, million. So almost a half billion dollars in real estate. And that's a lot. And so, you know, that's being paid by, like, are they actually bringing in that much money or are the taxpayers just paying for that? What are they going to do with that? Do they need it all? I don't think so. Are they, you know, what happens with that? They sell it off. They can pay for themselves and, and keep their, their one broadcast center. Like, do they need that? They, they lease 72 properties around the world, including regional offices, bureaus, and studios across Canada. 
the lease yeah. the lease values for these properties were not released due to commercial confidentiality. They should just sell them all and give everyone five bucks. You know, five dollars. <laughs> Whatever it works. Out I to want be, yeah. my five dollars. You know, the comment is that CBC should be more open about its leasing costs and exactly you know what what they do with their with their money for from Canadians. You know, there's some arguments for it. CBC provides Canadians with access to high-quality programming that would not exist without public funding, so they say. CBC is a vital source of news and information for Canadians, especially in rural and remote areas, so they say. CBC plays an important role in promoting Canadian culture and identity. Okay, sure. CBC is more independent and trustworthy source of news than commercial media outlets. Is it? Independent. Is it? Is it more independent and trustworthy? think a lot of people would have something different to say about that arguments against the cbc is a waste of taxpayers money cbc is biased in favor of the government and liberal elite cbc competes with commercial media outlets which puts them at a, at a disadvantage the cbc is no longer necessary in the age of the internet where there is a wealth of free and independent media available that's, except in canada yeah i think <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think that's the main point. Like, it, do we need the CBC? Well, I think if if the CBC now we're getting off of real estate, but <laughs> if the CBC was actually completely nonpartisan and just no opinions, right. just right. here's news, like here's facts of what happened, no opinions, no no direction, you know, no no underlying motive yeah. just literally here are the facts of what happened today in the news period i think people would be more responsive i just think all news outlets not just cbc i think all news outlets have certainly sided gone either left or right one way or the other and everyone that listens to that specific news outlet is in their own wheelhouse yes. of information and just getting kind of confirmation bias with what they believe and people are just siloed into different news sources, yes. right? So I there's like no actual nonpartisan, yeah. independent news source, at least not that I know of. I'm sure there are out there. More than happy to throw them in the comments if there are. But even you look at, like we've seen in Canada here, obviously, like even social media, Facebook, Instagram, like you can't, there's certain news outlets you can't even go to anymore because you're not allowed to. So, you know, you have to actually look for places with free information like X, formerly known as Twitter or Places yeah. that actually have information you can get, like what's really happening on the ground and, you know, independent news sources. I like but that I think term, that's the future. Uh, I think everything will be independent news sources. I don't see, I don't, I don't see huge media corporations like this lasting unless no, they can, no, they can't, like they I said, can. that kind of facts only. And that's why they're fighting right now. That's why they're fighting so hard. But I like your term siloed because if you've ever seen, there's a show on Apple, T Apple TV called The Silo. It's called Silo. Really? It's actually... It's pretty cool. It's basically they've been living there and that's the only way of life that they know, but they don't know why they're there. Mm. And it's all based on, you know, that type of dictatorship like environment. Uh, this is what it is. We work for the silo. There's nothing else. If you go outside, you will die. Big brother style. That's right. That's right. Change, change uh, the language, you know, and change the language. Everything changes. Okay. Mood boosts. Mood boost. I feel like a down, this is a down episode. We got to, we got to boost us to boost some moods here. It's good though. We gave, uh, I think we gave some valuable information to the listeners. I think so too. Yeah. You know. we're, we're also biased. We're also <laughs> very biased in our own show. <laughs> I got three boosts today. And actually, before we get into the boosts, uh, reminder that next week we're doing a live episode. 
So come with your questions. Live episode. Are we doing it Monday or Tuesday? Do we know? How do we decide? I think, I think Tuesday. Tuesday at seven. Tuesday night. We're we doing that. Are we doing a show Monday too? Stephen, <laughs> we'll say Tuesday at seven for now, and if it changes, <laughs> we'll post it. <laughs> so Tuesday at seven, we're going to be doing a live kind of Ask Me Anything show, and we'll see. Maybe we'll have some guests pop in, tune yeah. in quickly, drop drop some knowledge. But yeah, tune in there, and we'll be doing a live on YouTube. So mood boost three today. Number one, what do a tick and the Eiffel Tower have in common? They're both parasites. I like it. Both parasites. Number two, you think gas prices are expensive, but have you seen chimneys? They're through the roof. <laughs> I love it. And number three, last but not least, I bought a dog off a of blacksmith today. As soon as I got home, it made a bolt for the door. Yes. <laughs> oh. Tuesday at 7. We'll be here live. And you guys can come. Make sure to tune in on the comments. Bring your questions. We're still uh, debating having the, the Zoom link available. We'll have people pop in. Maybe have some sort of waiting room. Stephen can screen screen viewers. But we'll we'll figure yeah. that out. We'll have it we already totally finished. Do that. We'd, lo we'd love to see some of you. Some of y'all. Some of y'all. Some of y'all. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We're October now. It's fall. Good luck out there in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys it's next October. week. October. Good luck. Good luck in the streets. <laughs> see you guys. Tobra. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.